another episode of the Fast Break Live NBA Podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. I am joined by my boy, Nick Andre. Say what's up to the people. It's good, y'all. I'm happy to be back, bro. We're ready to talk hoops. Yup, let's dive into it. And I think the proper place to start is with none other than my New York Knicks, who have been on a tear lately. I mean... Like the month of April, I think they've been like, I want to say eleven and like, eleven and five or like, I think twelve and twelve and four or twelve and five. They've been like a really really elite team in the month of April, top five in offense and in defensive rating. So like they've been like up there with like the best of the best of the league this year in um the month of April. Um, Julius Randle in the month of April has been ridiculous. 27 points per game, nine rebounds per game, 6.3 assists, 44, 43, 86 splits. The first Nick to average 25, five and five on 40% three point shooting in a month in franchise history. So like he's taking his game to another level this month. RJ Barrett's been steady, steadily improving. Um, Derek Rose has been providing a, a solid hand, a solid um hand for us, a steady hand for us. Um, Emmanuel quickly has been showing some some um some signs. Obi Toppin's been producing in the the limited minutes he's been able to provide. So it's just been all around good production from this team. And right now they've locked on to that fourth seed in the East and. They got a tough West Coast trip coming up, but they should be able to hold on to that four or five spot. So as someone who is not really a Knicks fan from looking from the outside, looking in, what has impressed you with this like latest run of Knicks games where they've won like 10 out of their last 11? They just came off that nine game win streak. So like what what has been your main takeaways from watching this Knicks team? Well, the first thing that I obviously want to praise is Coach Tom Thibodeau for having for like putting this team in a new in a new environment to just compete. And the thing about New York for me is like I, f- I just feel like every single game, like they just kind of cap off their last game with just like a better performance. Like I feel like like as a team, they just learn, take away from like what they did well, and then take it into the next game. And also like the things that, that they may have done wrong either defensively or on the offensive end, and then they just take it into the next game and get better. So, I mean, obviously, Julius Randle continuing to play at an MVP level. I think he should be top five in MVP. That's just my opinion. Just the magnificent the magnificent season that he has had, just, like, being able to play on both ends and just being able to, like, versatile his game into, like, being a scorer and a playmaker. I mean, it's just remarkable to me. But the two guys that I really have enjoyed watching, like, as far as the Knicks and, like, they're two, like, two of my favorite players to watch on the team is – and Mayo quickly and Derrick Rose, just because whenever they come into the game, like it just brings a whole new energy for the team. Whether it's Derrick Rose being that veteran leader, and you know, just like just being there for the young guys, or it's Emmanuel quickly just coming down, like you know, knocking down shots, just just like just break, just basically setting the tone from the bench. And those those are like the things that I've really seen from the Knicks. I mean, like you say, I mean they they've won ten of the last eleven games. I really wish that they would have beat Phoenix on Monday night, but unfortunately, you know, Chris Paul came in, came up pretty big in the clutch. But I think, I, yeah, he had some ridiculous shots. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, but in all honesty, like if you're a Nick fan, which I know you are, like you should, you definitely have a lot of confidence going into the 
going into the playoffs. Because in my opinion, as of right now, I want to say that I want to say that they will face Atlanta in the first round. So that I feel like that's a definite win for them going into the second round. Yeah, that's the thing that's been like so weird and like hard for me to kind of accept is that like if we were like to go into the playoffs against Atlanta, we would be looked at as the favorite. And like I'm still like getting used to hearing that from like I've listened to so, so many podcasts, so many like different like TV shows and whatnot, and I've just been like hearing the same thing reiterated, reiterated that like if the Knicks were to play the Hawks in a first round series, a lot of people would take the Knicks, and I think it's more so. It has to do with like the defense because like teams in the playoffs, when when your offense isn't going for you, the one thing that you have to rely on if you are a, a strong defensive team is your defense. Right. So like the team, a team like the Knicks, like they like they've been hot offensively this off this um this past month, and that's mainly due to them playing Alfred Payton less minutes. So hopefully during playoff time that actually continues because our offense is way better when Alfred Payton is just not on the court. So um, when your offense bogs down in in the playoffs, it, it helps to have a good um a good defense, Definitely. and that's what the Knicks have. The, the Hawks don't have that, and they don't have individually that they don't have that many good individual defenders. I mean, they have Chris Dunn who hasn't played at all for them this year. And I don't even know if he's real at this point anymore. Um, You got Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter who have both been dealing with injuries for the latter part of the year. So, and those are their two best perimeter defenders. So like when you really think about it, it's just like, they really don't have anybody to stop anybody on the Knicks and especially a Julius Randle who's put up 40-point games twice against Atlanta this year, it's, like, it's really telling, but... Right. The only thing I would worry about against Atlanta is Trey Young. He did carve up our pick-and-roll defense, which was lacking in that game, that last game that we played against them. So that's the only thing that would concern me. But it's it's still surreal to, like, even think about, like, having possibly home court and being favored in a series come playoff time. Yeah, and Def, I mean, like, just, just like a big shout-out to Nate McMillan because, I mean, I think he's really changed the dynamic of Atlanta since the Lloyd Pierce firing. So definitely shout-outs to him for helping them become more competitive. But I think, I think like you said, I mean, it comes down to, like, can you rely on your defense as the game slows down in the playoffs? And I feel like New York, like, as far as looking at them this season, they have the better defense, in my opinion. So, I mean, so like I said, I mean, of course, Trey Young is going to get his shots off. John Collins is probably going to get his. They're probably going to get good production from guys like Clint Capella and – you know, and, and other cats like Kevin Herter, but I think I think as far as like you know who is gonna who is gonna go down to like as far as like who's gonna you know um, just like come come through in the final stretch of games. I feel like the Knicks have a better overall roster that's built for that, and who's gonna be able to come through in those moments. Yeah, and the one thing for the Knicks, which is weird, because like early in the year we had lost a lot of close games because we did not know how to close. Right. But like during the win streak, we went to like three overtime games. And we won all of those games. And like a lot of these games that like they've that come down to the wire, we've been able to like close them out. And and our defense has helped a lot. And then and our offense is surprisingly been more fluid at the end of games. So I think that's just like a testament to like the team just like getting better chemistry with each other and just like being able to um just being able to like just the slight adjustments that that um Thibs makes, which like he has like different closing lineups now where he'll feature like Derrick Rose in the closing lineup. Right. So like he'll have Emmanuel quickly if he's hot. So I think those little tweaks that he's done throughout the season have, have helped us um close out these games that we weren't closing out earlier in the season. 
Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, man, just shout out to New York, man. I know a lot of Knicks fans have been suffering over these past like few years, man. So I'm I'm just happy for all Knicks fans just worldwide who was able to like experience this time, this kind of season, especially with the whole circumstance of COVID and everything. Yeah, like I I found one of my old like Facebook posts from like six years ago where I was hyping up Derek Fisher as the coach oh, yeah. because I thought that he was like. I thought that he was instilling some sort of defense in the team. And then I ran into another Facebook post where I updated it. And I was like, yeah, Derek Fisher is not it at all. And like to come to see like where we've come from, like Derek Fisher as head coach and like subpar seasons to like Tom Thibodeau instilling this defensive culture and like a culture of hard work with Julius Randle and all these guys that just, they constantly in the gym, constantly putting in work and like they're, they're an overachieving team at this point. Um, it's just like, it's just remarkable. Like I, I, I didn't have that high of expectations coming into the season. Honestly, like I just thought that it was going to be like, all right, I know the games are going to be like, I know the team is going to be competitive because Thibs is that type of coach. He's not going to like lay down and like, just get beat by teams constantly. Like we've had coaches in the past, but like, I didn't expect us to like, be in a position where we're going to be in home court like that's just that's just crazy yeah, I, so like I can, I can definitely agree to that I mean because like I, I want to say like the Knicks won like five of like their first like eight nine games I can't exactly remember so I know a lot of people are like oh my god the Knicks are actually good and I was like all right all right cool I mean let, let's just see how they go through the rest of the year because I want to say around that time Orlando had gotten off to a good start Cleveland got off to a good start but I was looking at those teams and I was like okay I mean honestly I don't I don't see them going anywhere far with this and and look at them now but for the Knicks to continue to be this good, for Randall to continue to be that leader, being able to play at that high level, it, it just shows it just shows a lot of marksmanship to like, you know, the the like the culture that Tom Thibodeau has built. And also shout out to Leon Rose as well for being able to get great guys either from the draft or able to be able to like sign a trade for him too. Cause I mean, I think yeah, like New York definitely has something good going on right now. Yeah, it's just after the after the season, it's gonna be interesting to see how they move forward with the team if they like really want to like continue with like this main group of guys. Because like, I I'm of the thinking that we could bring this main group back and like just upgrade the point the starting point guard spot and still be in a pretty good position to like be where we are right now again next year if we just upgrade that spot. So I feel like it's gonna be interesting to see what approach the front office takes if they want to like go after like a Cal Lowry in the off season or if they just want to like, that could be a possibility. Yeah. I mean it is, but like we also got Philly that's going to possibly oh, pursue yeah. him with a sign in trade. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be up to Kyle Lowry and what he wants to do, but the future is bright. There are many avenues for, for the Knicks to, um, to team build in the future. A lot of different options come free agency, the draft with the two first round picks that we have. And, just it, it's just it's just a great time to be a New York Knicks fan once again. Definitely. Um. So let's move on to <clears throat> let's move on to Steph and the Warriors. Steph is, of course, my guy, and the Warriors are your team. Mm-hmm. Um. The other night was absolutely, I can imagine, embarrassing, as the Mavericks like utterly destroyed 
the Warriors in what was a really important game for the Warriors, I think, seeding-wise. Yeah. As if they they won that game, they would have been able to, like, had a chance to move up to six, I believe. Or, like, the the, the path to six would have been way more... Um, way more imaginable, I guess you can say. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, Steph, he, to me, Steph didn't come out that game with like the, the proper energy and like the mindset that I thought he would come into that type of game with. That's the type of game where like, you know, you'd see in the past, he'd come out and drop like 40 or 50 to like really send a message and like, let these guys know, like, like, we gonna we we're gonna win this one, but like he was letting Trey Burke face guard him, and like he was letting Trey Burke and Maxi Kleber bother him and double team him, and it was just it was it was weird to see Steph like just not that engaged, and just like just to see the whole team as a whole, just like yeah, we 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 basically just threw that one away. Yeah, you guys threw in the towel real early on that one, and it was just weird because I don't know. The whole vibe of the Warriors this year has been really weird with um, the clay injury and then picking Wiseman. A lot of people felt should have been um, LaMelo. Right. Um, and then just like everything else with like Kelly Oubre, how he's been performing this year, Kent Bazemore, Brad Wanamaker, just, just a whole bunch of stuff. People on Steve Kerr's head. It's just, it's just been a weird year. So like, how, how has it been for you? trying to process all this and just make sense of it. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, bro, like the Warriors are in the position that I expected them to be. I, honest, I honestly, I mean, I'll, actually, no, I'll take that back. I did expect them to be a four seed, but, you know, for them to like, you know, have this very up and down season, I'm not necessarily surprised. You know, we understood the circumstances, not having clay and then, you know, Steph obviously coming back. And then obviously the, um, the inconsistencies of guys like Ubre and Wiseman and, even Wiggins to a, to a perspective, even though Wiggins has played pretty solid to me. Like, honestly, I'm not really surprised with how the year has been. Like, the Warriors just don't necessarily have an identity. They haven't had an identity all season. Like, so it, it's either, like, you know, if Steph's not going crazy for, like, 30, 40 points, it's like, you know, who do you really rely on to really carry the load? And I think that's really just ha- been how it's been throughout, like, throughout most of the season. But, you know, just, just looking back at their last game against Dallas, honestly, to be honest with you, bro, like, I checked it out second quarter and then I want to say Dallas went on like, on like some crazy 20 to like four run or something like that I can't even remember to me I was like that's how much I really cared for the game and then honestly I think like I think like towards halftime I just turned it I honestly just turned the game off I was like you know I can't even watch this like and it sucks too because we just had two well we, well yeah we just had two big wins against Denver and Sacramento over the weekend so we're trying yep. to, we're trying to carry over that momentum into Tuesday night, and Dallas was coming off a coming off of a loss against Sacramento the night before, and to just come out flat like that was just inexcusable. I, I heard what Steve Kerr said. Steve Kerr was kind of going off on the team. I think I think Draymond said, said some comments as well. But I mean, I mean, honestly, like the whole moral of the story is that Golden State just hasn't had a true identity this season, and I honestly do hope that going into the off season. Bob Myers can make some major adjustments. I wanted him to do something during the trade deadline, but unfortunately all we did was just give up Marquise Chris for some cash, I want to say. And we honestly, we, we just need some, because I, I think I think the front office is expecting Clay's return to be like just like the biggest turnaround, and when in reality he's coming off of an 
ACL injury and a torn Achilles. So yeah, I do expect Clay to be I do expect Clay to be to play well, but I'm not expecting him to be that big of a difference to be honest. So I definitely hope that major changes can happen to come towards the offseason. But as of right now, I mean, we are one game back of San Antonio as far as like you know the plan tournament for the ten seed. So if we can grab a bunch of wins, maybe maybe we can get some momentum going into the playing tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing about Clay coming back, and like I've seen a, a couple of other people express the same thought that I have. It's just they're expecting him to come in and do so much, like, mm-hmm. and it's just like you can't, you can't rush. First of all, you don't want to rush Clay into like being more productive than he has to be right away because, like, coming off those injuries, you want to ease the guy into his role as as easy and slow as possible to exactly. avoid re-aggravating the injury or like having other injuries pop up. Like as you see with the nets with Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant has had a whole bunch of injuries this year and they are constantly playing him a bunch of minutes after he comes back from injuries. It's like, that's not how you manage someone coming off that injury. Even if they've had so much time to recover, it's you, you you've got to take things a certain approach exactly. and, and I feel like the Warriors, they're relying on Clay's return way too much. Like, he's not even probably going to play major minutes next year. He's probably going to play, like, to come back, he's probably going to play, like, 10, 20, 15 minutes, maybe. Exactly. He's going to be on a minutes restriction. And then um, I can imagine that he's probably going to look like, like a J.J. Redick or, like, a Kyle Korver for a good portion of the year until he really gets his legs under him. So it's gonna it's gonna be rough, and they have to make a lot of adjustments around that team to like really supplement Steph to make sure that he's not like doing this supernova thing all over again next year because it's necessary. You want to have these supernova Steph performances like they were in the past, just because like they were just like in blowouts or whatever, not just to like be within like five points of a team in a game. So it's gonna be very interesting. I would love to see Steph. You know, put some pressure on the organization, not sign the extension or hold out for a bit. And, you know, just like just like make them scared because like you've been too. I feel like Steph has been too nice. Steph has definitely been nice. Steph, he's he's been way too nice to his organization. And like they repaid him by giving him a bunch of fringe NBA players and, 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 and a bunch of G League guys, basically. And told him go make the eighth seed, possibly. Like, I don't know. It, it's it's been rough because Steph's my, Steph's my favorite player, and like I I enjoy seeing him go off for these explosive performances, but like I don't enjoy seeing him do it because like he has like literally no choice, or else the team is going to lose by like thirty that night. Exactly. Like, and that's and- not fun. And to be honest, like the front office has to be cautious as well because Steph is, I want to say, like 33, 34. So he's definitely getting up there in age. So it's like, you know, having him carry the load offensively on a nightly basis. And, you know, like, like honestly, like in order for the team to get by, you know, I think, I think that they necessarily, I think that they necessarily have to look into that and think, like, okay, like who, who, like, like what guys can we bring in that can help? Steph on like on like on a night on a nightly basis scoring wise. I know I know Wiggins has had really good stretches. Oubre has at times, you know, whenever he's whenever he's efficient, but it just hasn't been on that consistent basis. And I, I know a lot of people have been asking Draymond to like 
possibly contribute scoring more. But honestly, that I guess that's just not even his game, which is crazy. But but yeah, I mean, like Clay, Clay is like Clay is expected to be the savior of the team when he does come back next year, and I and I feel like that's the direction that they shouldn't go. Like I, I mean, I, I understand Clay is that important to the organization, but you do have to remember, like you know, he is also he is he's aging as well, and he is coming off of you know two major injuries. So that's the, so that's honestly one thing that we do need to look into, like going into the offseason is possibly finding like some great some good contribution for Steph and Clay going into next going into next season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I like like this team, this Warriors team is way too inconsistent for me to think they are going to do something in the play-in games. It's like my dream is for Steph to eliminate the Mavs and Luka Doncic out of the play the play-in because I would love for that pick to become a lottery pick just for the Knicks' sake because like we have their pick and that benefits us and I would just like love to see Luka and Porzingis get humiliated by Steph. And I just feel like that is becoming closer to a dream than a reality. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've seen a lot of talk of people saying, I think they could challenge Utah in a first round match if they're the eighth seed and Utah's the one seed. Um, how, 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 how do you feel about that? With this Warriors team, probably not. Especially, especially as Donovan Mitchell comes back healthy, and you have the combinations of Mike Conley, who's been solid. You still got Gobert under the basket. Um, with the combination of Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, like we just watched, like Utah put up like 154 points last night. So it's like you know, do I expect them to be able to defend that Utah team led by Donovan Mitchell? Honestly, I don't think so. I think we could probably get in like a good maybe one game and that's about it. But I don't, I don't see us beating Utah in the first round. Because a lot of people say, okay, Steph would just be able to exploit um, Gobert and like put him in a, put him in the blender basically, because he's always done that to him when they get a chance to face off. And like the problem with Utah, Utah has trouble um, adjusting their, their scheme to switching so they wouldn't be able to like really adjust in a series if they wanted to switch from having um Gobert on um Gobert matchup with Steph in some time in, in those in those mismatches. So a lot of people think that that's what would happen, and a lot of people just don't believe in Utah. I think that's what it is. So I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm say I mean like if they do end up facing Golden State, who has been a very inconsistent defensive team then I mean I think everybody should expect that to happen now do I expect Utah to possibly get to the conference finals I'm not even sure but here's the thing I, I want to say if they do get out of the first round then they will have to play either the Lakers or Denver and if they do play the Lakers with a fully healthy LeBron and AD then I feel like I feel like I feel like they're definitely like mismatched with that situation yeah I mean I don't know. We'll see. There's like about like I want to say like nine or ten games left for the Warriors and like for the rest of the NBA in general this this um this season and the play-in is just a couple weeks away. So we'll see how the Warriors um fare out with their conquest to 
hopefully make the play in and then make the playoffs itself. I wish them the best because, you know, my guy Steph is there and, you know, I just don't want to see him have to be in the lottery once again. Although it would be helpful in this year's draft with the talent that there is. Um, Let's stay in the Western Conference for now with another team. Portland. The Portland Trailblazers. They had lost... Um, Wait, before we move on from Portland, I do want to mention that, like, Steph had this... I didn't get to talk about it on, on the pod because I, I, I was off for, like, a couple weeks. But, like, Steph had this killer stretch of games yeah. where he was just going... Crazy. Crazy, like, averaging almost, like, 40 on, like, 50% from, like, the field, almost 50% from three. Like, he was just going nuts. And I think they went, like... I want to say they went like eight and three in that span. Yep. That he was say, going off. I want to say it started with that Denver game when he passed Will Chamberlain, and then and then it continued on. We ended up having like a good road trip. We beat OKC, Cleveland. We did lose. We did end up losing to Boston. I want to say yeah, we beat. Oh, that Philly. Boston game was brutal. Yeah, that yeah, that Boston game was tough. Even though like we we definitely should have closed that one out. I don't understand how and Dray- Draymond just killed me that game. Just like not being. Well, just not playing well defensively that game, which just it honestly still makes me mad like a few weeks later. But, yeah, we ended up losing that Boston game. We beat Philly, and then we also blew another lead to to uh, Washington, and then they ended up beating us. So, I mean, over, overall, it was a pretty good stretch, even though even though we should have closed out those two games. But it definitely had some momentum carrying going on, like like going back home after that road trip. Yeah, and then, like, for everything to happen the way it's happened with that Mavericks loss, it just kind of, like, I don't want to say erased what Steph did, but, like, you can't come out saying you're the MVP and then play like that in a game that that meaningful. Definitely. I will say that. I definitely agree. Like, so, yeah, I, it, it kind of erased. It not really erased what he did because, you know, we'll always remember that stretch. Everyone was saying it was reminding them of 06 Kobe, and, and rightfully so because, you know, he was just on a tear just trying to get a, a, a subpart team to to the playoffs, basically. And from that point, I thought they could, like, really get to that sixth seed possibly if he just continued to play like that. But he did have a couple of duds after. He did had one dud after, and then um, we're here now, so... Hopefully he can hopefully he can regain some of that steam again and you know finish this thing out strong. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, mean, we, I mean I mean like you said, we got like like ten, eleven more games left, so we definitely need to like get it together, especially going into the playing tournament. Yeah. Um so yeah, like I was saying, sticking out in the West, let's move on to another team that could actually possibly end up in the, the play in because they've been struggling as of late um the portland trailblazers um they won recently their last two games i believe it was they played um the grizzlies the other night they smoked them they beat the pacers just um the other day as well anthony simons had like a crazy game started out nine for nine from three um yeah and like before that, they had lost, I believe, f- their last five. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
they lost they they lost like their last five and they had lost some key games to to Memphis. So Portland is actually in that playing spot right now. And they're kind of like playing a little tug and war battle with Dallas for the six and the seven spot. So it is rough. They, they they've lost seven out of their last ten. So it's been a rough go go around for them. Um yeah, they lost key games to the Clippers, Denver, and back to back to Memphis before beating Memphis just um last night as we're recording on um Thursday. Um so yeah, a lot of people have been talking like if Portland ends up flaming out again in the playoffs, which they probably will because like their defense is like literally Atrocious. one of the worst in NBA history. Like <laughs> it's bad. But they've been able to like keep up because their offense is so well. But like, and and like and like Dame Dame is the defender that people think Steph is. Like Dame is just awful on defense. Like if you just watch him, <laughs> yes, he, is. he is terrible. Like and like he gets a pass because you know he, like he did the wave bye bye to Westbrook and like all that good stuff. But like, I mean. It's it reality's closing in on on Dame and the Trailblazers. A lot of people talking about this offseason, they probably got not, um Norman Powell to be the the CJ replacement because they're probably going to have to trade CJ. So, how how you feeling on Portland and just like overall what's been going on over there and like what what do you think may have to happen or what things may have to be shaken up in the future? It, it honestly sucks. I'm, I'm a big fan of both Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, but this is why people don't necessarily believe in Portland because, you know, they, they, they're, they've been in the same position for the last, what, five, six, seven years. It's like, you know, they, they look like they're a contending team out in the West. You know, Dave's looking like he's an MVP candidate. And then somehow, some way, whether it's towards the end of the regular season or the postseason, they just seem to crumble. And it just doesn't necessarily make sense to me. I don't know if there needs to be well, actually, no. I mean, they actually know that there needs to be a roster shake, and maybe I don't know. I mean, I, I personally, I like Terry Stotts. I actually do like him, but if they need to possibly let go of him and bring in like a more defensive oriented coach, just kind of like how Tom Thibodeau is in New York, then maybe that needs to happen. Because I mean, like you said, Portland has just been Portland's has always just been so bad defensively, and for some reason, like they just never seem to improve. And I mean, it's it's all about the combination of Lillard, CJ McCollum, and the rest of the guys just being able to score so much, just like being able to carry the little offensively where they get there, where they're able to get by a lot of teams. So, I mean, I mean, Port- Portland does well on that end, but the question is like, you know, how can they continue that going forward? I mean, they, they, I think they lost two straight to, to Memphis throughout the, um, the weekend. They did beat Indiana and they, and they did just beat Memphis again yesterday. But now the thing is, is like, you know, where do you continue to keep the, where do you continue to like keep this momentum going? Like, like, how do you carry that forward against like the top teams like Phoenix and Utah and the Clippers and like, you know, the Lakers and all these other great teams? That's why we don't necessarily believe in Portland. I mean, we do love, we do love Dane when we do love CJ, but Portland as a team is just not, not an organization where we see getting far. Very limited um, with Portland and like a, a small backcourt that doesn't defend. Um, very also limited with, I think, I think the coach's time has worn out there. Definitely. He's been there for a while and Portland fans have been calling for his firing for a while now. It's for pretty good reason. 
if guys are not defending, like it's just a simple matter of effort at this point, because like New York, New York's like a top five defensive team. When you look at their squad, it's not a whole bunch of all NBA defenders over there. Exactly. They're just guys that just give a crap about basketball and just winning the game, and they're willing to just do whatever it takes. So they're willing to defend like their lives depend on it. So like, if a coach can't get his team to defend at even like a semi decent level, it's just like it's just a matter of like the team just not caring. So I think the coaching is is is, is an issue there. I also think maybe the Damon CJ experiment needs to come to an end this offseason possibly i don't know what they get they get for him he's a small shooting guard who's like entering age 30 i believe it is mm-hmm. so the value there is not much so it's going to be very interesting to see how they go about things um i don't believe in i don't believe in portland come playoff time because like this is about to be the second year in a row they're about to be in the play-in so it's just, it's just crazy. Like, and it's funny to me because like people are like, Dame is a, Dame's an MVP candidate. But like when I bring up Julius Randle's MVP candidate, it's somehow blasphemous. The guy has his team as like a top 10 record in the league, top four exactly. seed in the East, playing on both ends, averaging career numbers, and he can't be an MVP candidate. But Dame, who's fighting for his life in the play-in can? Come on now. Exactly. And I mean... This is the same Demi Lillard where people were, like, pissed off because Luka Doncic got that starting spot over him in the All-Star game. And, I mean, and, and I must say, like, throughout, like, the first part of the season, Portland had Portland did look pretty decent, and particularly when uh, when CJ McCollum was out. And they, had, and they had a combination of Dame alongside Gary Trent Jr., which is one of the reasons why I don't I don't necessarily like the trade that, that gave them Norman Powell, even though Norman Powell is a pretty good player. But I don't know. It's like. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like we said. I mean, defensively, they just, they're just not good. And you know, as soon as, as soon as their offense, as soon as they're not getting a lot of production on the offensive end, they don't have anything to like, you know, fall back on. And you know, like teams like Memphis and other teams, like just being able to score, like being able to score at the rim, being able to knock down perimeter shots with like with no contest. I mean, you know, like it's, it's, it's kind of like you know, how do people expect us to actually believe in this team? And I mean, and like I said, I mean, I like Dame, I like CJ, but you know, I think it's, I think you know, Portland's just going to continue to be in that same predicament to where, you know, they're just never going to like, you know, get over that hump, and it just sucks for them because I mean, you know, they have two great dynamic players. Yeah, I think we saw the the Trailblazers peak when they went to the conference finals, right? That that year against Golden State, and it's funny because like. They had a chance to really like do something in that series because they ended up leading in every single game, but ended up losing every single game. So it's just funny to see how things have, have turned around since then. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the, how they go moving forward because I do expect an early playoff exit, and it's going to be interesting to see the narratives that form after that, and just like how the team goes about, like what direction they go in after that. Because I feel the like they've tried is- everything. The question is, like, do you see them possibly getting past Memphis in that playing game? I don't know, because Memphis seems to have their number, and they exactly. just got Jaron Jackson back, yep. which mm-hmm. helps them a lot with their perimeter scoring and just oh, like yeah. just their scoring in general. So I don't know. It's it's tough. 
And looking at Portland's upcoming schedule, I mean, it's woof. Yeah, they got they got some teams that they're gonna have to really show up against, like Boston, Atlanta. Oh, we yeah. got Lakers they, coming up. They got soon. Brooklyn tomorrow. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Um, and then to end the season, they got Utah, Phoenix, and Denver. So. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. Uh, this po- this 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 postseason is gonna be very interesting for a lot of teams, and it's gonna decide like where a lot of teams go moving forward with the, with their future. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, let's talk about a let's talk let's go back east to talk about another team that's been hot around the same time as the Knicks. The Washington Wizards have come out of nowhere, honestly. Um. I kind of wrote them off. I was like, okay, they're going to be in the lottery this year, I guess. And it's going to be like the Bulls or the Raptors in the play-in and as that 10th seed. But the Wizards, I mean, they won. They won last night against the Lakers. They were having a dunk contest, basically, on who can dunk on the Lakers the best. Um, Yeah, they were just going absolutely nuts from um, inside the paint. Westbrook and Bradley Beal have um turned up a notch lately. I mean, over their win streak, they didn't really beat anybody that's like that's like really, really, really it's not really anyone to really like they didn't really beat any like a, a really, really good team where you're like, okay, Washington is here, but like they got the job done, so like you gotta give them credit for that. I mean, earlier in the season due to, like, inconsistencies with the lineups and, like, COVID and all that other stuff, they were never able to, like, really have their their rotation set. And even after the trade deadline, they still had to, like, re- they had to integrate new pieces. Um, one thing I really, I think that really helped them is the addition of Daniel Gafford. Mm-hmm. He helped solidify their interior presence because I feel like that's something they were sort of lacking. I mean, they had like guys like Robin Lopez and Alex Len as their centers, and I mean, credit to them, they're NBA players, but they're not like rim protectors. I feel like Daniel Gafford is like a legitimate, like actually good rim protector. Um, Daniel Gafford, so far with the Wizards, playing about eighteen minutes per game, averaging ten points. Um, and he is averaging two blocks per game with the Wizards and only about two fouls per game too. So he's, he's protecting the rim, not fouling as much and he's getting the job done. He's helping them down low, um, protect the paint. So, um, they're 11 and two since with Daniel Gafford since he got there. So that's very, he's been a very integral piece to what they're doing. Bradley Beal doing what he does scoring. Russell Westbrook getting them triple doubles. Davis Bertans, I assume he's been playing better as of late because he started off the season oh, just, yeah, just pathetically. Um, so yeah, what do you what do you what do you make of the Wizards late season charge for the plan and like just going forward with, with their team? I'm definitely surprised because honestly, like you look at the beginning of this season, everything just looked a mess in Washington, like, you know, they, they, they couldn't defend, you know, Bradley Beal was having to like, just carry the load night in and night out. And it just still wasn't enough. Honestly, like, 
like for them to be in this position now to like actually be in the playing game to be in the playing game is just honestly like remarkable. And I think I think the health of Russell Westbrook has really helped elevate the Kansas because right now he is playing at an unbelievable level, pretty similar to like you know his last few years in Oklahoma City, and and you you could tell the big difference. I mean Washington's more like much better. Much better defensively. They're competing more. They're able to get great contributions from guys, like you said, Daniel Gafford, obviously Denny, um, Bertans, who else can I say? Um, Ish Smith, maybe. Like, you know, just, just being able to get like that production from the other role players is just, it's just very significant to like to the turnaround. And honestly, man, hang on, hang on. I want to check, I want to check with it. Who do they play in the playing game? Cause I know, I know they're beating Chicago right now. And honestly, that, and all, and all, honestly, like Zach Levine's injury is hurting them like very, really bad. But Washington's definitely right there. I want to say. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, yeah, they're up like, to play. They're up like two again. games on the. They're up two games on Chicago right now in the in the in the in the tenth spot. Yeah. So right now they will play Indiana. Indiana. I I don't necessarily even trust Indiana like that just because they're they're also inconsistent and they're banged so, up badly too. Oh yeah, definitely. Miles Turner's is Miles Turner is out, and I want to say another few guys are out as well. I can't Sabonis has been out lately. Um, Brogdon's in and out of the lineups occasionally with some some nicks and knacks there. TJ Warren's been out the whole year, so like it's just been like tough for Indiana to really get anything consistent going over there. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, just just going into this playing tournament, it's going to be all about health and. Are like really healthy and Indiana's not, then yeah. I mean, I think I think that'd be like an easy, an easy advance for them. And also, the Wizards' their schedule was kind of easy during this 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 yeah, latest streak. I mean, they played um, Sacramento, Pelicans, Detroit, OKC's actively trying to lose, Golden State. That was a big game because, like, that was the dud game that I was talking about earlier from Steph where, like, he came off that hot streak and everybody thought, okay, primetime game against the Wizards, against Westbrook and Beal. Let's see what Steph has for us. And he had a dud game, and that cost the Warriors some momentum coming into these last stretch of games recently. So that's the dud game. They beat um the Warriors. Um, they beat OKC once again. They beat Cleveland. They lost to the Spurs in a crazy overtime game. Yeah, crazy overtime game. And Ridiculous shot making. And then they just beat the Lakers. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a sort of easy stretch, and they've 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 taken advantage of it. I mean, that's what you want to do, especially coming towards the end of the season. You know, with so so little games left, you gotta make advantage. You gotta take advantage of what's presented in front of you and just beat who's in front of you. So that's what they, that's, that's what they've been doing. And, and kudos to them. I mean, I, I wrote them off as like a lottery team basically. And I just, I had, um, I had the bulls or the Raptors either making the plans, but kudos to to Westbrook and the, and the wizards for this late season push to make the um, plan. And, yeah, just like makes, a- and it just makes the season more interesting at the end when you see these teams doing this stuff. I think that's what's the benefit of the playing games. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, in and for Chicago, I mean, I mean, I, I I know I I know I said this earlier, but I mean, Zach Levine's injury is definitely hurting them, but they they just haven't really been that good to me since the whole Vucevic trade. I don't I don't Ooh. I don't understand it. I, I I've disliked that Vucevic trade from the moment they were, they pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, with his All Star year, I definitely thought that he would have been a plus for them, like with the combination of him, Levine, Kobe White. Larry Markinen, who I've honestly started to give up on, but I still kind of have some like some little hopes for him. But I don't know. I mean, throughout throughout like this last like month or so, it's just been horrible for for Chicago. But I mean, just just looking at Washington's schedule, I mean, they 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 have it pretty good. So I I don't see how they just cannot continue to keep this thing going. I mean, the toughest team that the toughest team that they play is going to be against Milwaukee on May fifth, and besides that, they're playing a lot of like you know. I, I guess I guess like decent teams, but they're not like as far as like championship contending teams. So yeah, they're not teams that like Wizards have to be scared of like going into a game with them. Exactly, playing I mean, exactly like, like Dallas, like Dallas. They play Indiana like twice. They play Atlanta twice. So oh yeah, and they play Charlotte for their last game. So these are definitely winnable games for the Washington Wizards, especially especially with the whole, with the streak that they have been on. So it's all about how they can just continue to keep momentum rolling. Yep. And um going back to Chicago real quick. I mean, I really do not understand the makeup of that team. They played us the other night and they ran out a lineup of like Larry Markinen at the 3, Daniel Tice at the 4 and Vucevic at the 5. And I was just like, yeah, I saw that. I was like, what in the David Fisdale type of team construct is this like Three power, two power forwards in a center. Like, I mean, we were able to take advantage of that because, like, they first of all they didn't have anyone that could guard Julius Randle. That's one thing, but yeah. just, just like having all those type of guys out there, I was happy every time Daniel Tice or Larry Markkinen took a jumper. Honestly, like I was just like, "Yup, we want that one. We want that one." Because like. They're not reliable shooters, and like, I don't know what Bill Donovan's doing. Um, I'm not sure either. <laughs> I don't know what the Bulls for an office is doing because Zach Levine's about to be a free agent. So, I know they made this move as a win now move to like show to Zach like we're serious about winning, but it has backfired in like the worst way possible. But I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, like you you can't expect like your team to be winning with like with lineups like that. I mean, you having marketing at the at the 3, Daniel Tice at the 4 and and Vucevic at the 5. I mean, I I mean, I guess I can understand. I mean, you got three bigs in the game, but at the end of the day, I mean, Markin is not really quick, you know what I'm saying? Now there's Daniel Tice and Vucevic has some type some kind of type of quickness, but it's not it's not with the ability to like guard like smaller players. So I I'm not understanding like what Billy Donovan was thinking in that certain scenario, but it's definitely not working. Yeah, it, it is not at all. And, like, it sucks that Zach had to miss this time. But, like, even if Zach was playing, I still think they would have lost a good majority of these games, too, just because I don't think the the team fit is there. Like, nothing on this team really fits well together. Yeah, so, like you said, I mean, Zach Levine is going into free agency this season, so... You know, you never know. You never know what can happen, especially with the way that, that the Bulls are about to close out the season. So, you know, Zach Levine just became an all-star for the first time. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of organizations that's going to be, like, looking for him. 
Oh, for sure. Um, and speaking of like these play-in teams like Chicago and the Wizards, how how do you feel about the play-in games being added to like the the season schedule and like going forward? What would you like to see happen with it? I personally don't like the format. Honestly, like I, I think it was like a month ago when they when they released it, and I I don't know. It's it's just I, I guess I guess I'm still trying to like kind of figure it out because I mean just just dating back last year when we saw Portland and Memphis, it was I, it was only basically it was only mostly because you know those two teams were like really close, you know, to each other as far as like that last eight spot. So I don't know how the NBA is going to try to do it, but like say for instance like say like a nine seed and a 10 seed, like say like the 10 seed is like five or six games back for the nine seed. Are they going to still have to play each other just based upon like, you know, their seating? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just kind of weird to me. I feel like, I feel like the playing tournament should only happen only if like teams are like one game or two games back from like, you know, that, that playoff position and then, and then they're able to compete. But I don't know if this is a, this is a situation that the NBA should have going forward, but I, I definitely liked it like the way that it was last year compared to to see like how it is this year. But I mean, we still we still have to play the tournament, so you never know. I mean, this might actually be like a good idea. Yeah, I I like the playing tournament, and I kind of agree with you on like the fact that it should only happen if like teams are like my my baseline was like three or four games, but like if a team is like five six seven eight games behind like the the eighth seed like there should be there should be no reason for it but i do like this sort of competitive nature that we still have teams competing for something like teams are not going all out tanking at the end of the year like you see pelicans they're still in it golden state they're still in it in a a normal year they would probably call it a tank and like you'd see steph sitting for a lot of these matchups that he's been going off in so it kind of allows these teams to be more competitive allows the games to be more competitive and it just allows for a better product towards the end of the year. So I do think that's the main reason why they'll keep it. But, yeah, I, I, I think this will probably be something that we see going forward. They may tweak some things if, like, teams start to have a, a, a greater issue with it. Um, But, yeah, I think this is something that's here to stay. And I, I, don't, I don't mind it all that much as long as, like, nothing, like, ridiculous happens. I could definitely see that, but I mean, but I mean, like even even when you look at last year, I want to say the Magic were the number eight seed, and the Wizards were that nine seed. But the Wizards were like so far out to where you know they they just didn't even play them in the tournament, just just because I mean we are we are we already knew like who was who was the better team. So the thing about it is that, like, say for instance, like I mean, kind of like kind of like backtracking what I said earlier, like if if a ten seed is like six seven games back from a nine seed, like do they still have to play that tournament? Cause here's the thing, though. Like, say for instance, like they do have to play, and that team C end, ends up winning. Like, I'll, I will, I'll personally be pissed off. Like, honestly, but yeah, I can see I, that. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe this whole thing will work out. Maybe it won't. I mean, it it'll just be something that that we'll have to see. It's weird because last year they had like certain implications where you had to be within a certain amount of games. But like this year, they kind of like took that whole thing out where like it didn't matter if a team was like five or six games back it's just like seven through ten you guys are doing the playing tournament but like right. before it was last year it was and it, it it was mainly due because of the bubble but like it was still like you had to be within this amount of games for the play-in to trigger and that's when it happened so 
and it was between the eighth and the ninth seed, which was something I probably would have liked to still keep. But exactly. who knows? Maybe, 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 maybe it does work out like you said, and and we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, a lot of people were complaining about it, especially um the Mavericks. They're being crybabies because they probably saw Steph going off, and they were like, "We don't want to face that right now." But now they're out of the playing spot, so they have you haven't heard anything from them conveniently enough recently. Hang on, I'm gonna check Dallas. As of right now, okay, they're only one game ahead of Portland for that six spot. So if they I don't know, I mean if somehow Portland turns it around and Dallas just ends up struggling, like then yeah, they're gonna definitely be in that position. Cause I mean they're honestly not far from it. Yeah. Um so to wrap things up, there has been a lot of talk about all NBA teams um, the last couple weeks, especially because Julius Randle started going crazy and, like, the Knicks shot themselves up in the standings. And a lot of people are like, Julius Randle should have a good case for one of the all NBA teams. And I saw some people even making the case for first team because – there's been so many injuries this year. So, um, yeah, and, and and Julius Randle's also been included in the MVP conversation as of recently, um, which is which is a testament to just the great things he's been doing this year. So I, where do you stand on all on the all NBA teams this year? Like, do you think like the, the amount of games should matter? Because I feel like that gets fact that 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 has to be get factored in somewhat because like there's been a lot of great performances, but like some guys have played like bare minimum amount of games. Yeah, um, obviously, like the games played does play like a huge factor, especially especially with the modern day NBA, where it's like you know so many guys are just lighting up, are just lighting up like the scoreboard like every single night. Like for instance, like Joel Embiid was everybody's number one in um in the MVP race, but but after, but like after he missed like a good amount of weeks, now the Joker's number one. So it's like you know. It's it, it definitely does play a huge factor, even though it does suck. But but that, I mean that's just how the NBA is. But as far as like you know, for me like whoever whoever is deserving of being like that All NBA first team, it has to be obviously obviously the player has to be like an MVP candidate, and they have to be putting up like spectacular numbers. But they also have to have like they they also have to be like really leading the team and really helping them benefit off of that. Like for instance, for instance, like I don't have a problem with Julius Randle getting possibly getting that all NBA first team just because of the magnificent season that he's having. And then also the Knicks are the four seed. Like nobody, honestly, nobody expected that to even happen this year. And and the fact that it happened and Randle has continued to play at a high level throughout this, throughout the majority of the season. And also he has been healthy throughout the majority of the season is one of the reasons why I think that he should be. But as far as like my top five, all NBA first team, I would definitely have to say the Joker and Bede. Um, obviously Randall. Um who else you want to add in there who's been really good? Maybe even I might I might I don't know. I might I might set people off by saying this. Maybe even a guy like a Donovan Mitchell or a Devin Booker, considering considering how well that their two teams have been playing. Yeah, I could see that. Um I'm trying to think, you know. People could easily go with the easy answers like LeBron or an AD and all them, but I mean, obviously, I think I think LeBron's injury. Those guys has have missed a of, lot of games, yeah. Exactly. So it's just so tough because, man, who would I pick for that five spot? 
for the guards, yeah. it's really hard because yeah, like definitely. the guards that have been like putting up like elite elite numbers, their teams are like fighting for playing spots, basically, and like the guard the guards who are on teams that are up there, they're producing numbers, but they're like not up there with guys like Steph, Bradley exactly. Beal, da- Damian Lillard, Luca, if you consider him a guard. So, like, it's really tough with the All-NBA teams this year. Yeah. And the thing about Steph, though, is, like, you know, I think everybody's going to more gravitate towards Steph is because of, you know, the popularity and the um, the situation that he's in where the Warriors are really not that great, but he's still putting up spectacular numbers. But I think, I think the fact that the team hasn't been that great, I think that also has to be, like, a major factor in that as well. So that's, that's, that's kind of the reason why I don't want to add him in that first team. I think, I think it's an easy answer just because everybody does love Steph. But the fact that the Warriors have been inconsistent all year, and and he and and honestly, like he's also missed a good significant amount of time. I think that also just kind of factors in as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, my I I I would like my my biased opinion. I would probably have Randall, um, first team. But like realistically, I think they'll probably have Kawhi and like Giannis. In the first team. Oh yeah, that's right, Giannis too. But I could, I could realistically see Julius Randle being second team at the most, because like he's been one of the most durable, durable stars in the league this year. He's put up great numbers on a winning team, so like you just have to consider him there. Plus, I just think the media at this point, like the media has been pushing out a lot of Julius Randle love, so I think yeah. he'll reap the benefits of that with. Like all NBA, he'll get most improved, get some MVP votes. Like he'll definitely see some love there. So I, I definitely think just just from seeing what's been transpiring th- this this past month and just in general, I, I think I think Randall will be all, on an all NBA team. So I don't have my doubts there. It's just filling out the rest of those forward spots is going to be tough. Got a lot of talented forwards in the league. Um, Paul George, do you consider him a guard or a forward? I don't know. The NBA is very wishy-washy with that. It's very weird there. Right. You could you could have him as a guard, and then you could probably even make a case for him being a first-team guard because he's produced at a really high level this year. Um, but if he's a forward, he's probably going to be on like a second team, maybe. And like guys like Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, um, Zion. Even though Zion's on like a losing team, he's putting up like crazy numbers still. Definitely. Uh, there's a lot that goes into these all NBA teams this year. I do not envy the guys who have to make these selections because it's tough this year. Very tough with the qualifications and like what are what 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 you're basing things off of. Like, are we even sure AD or even LeBron makes the team this year? Honestly, that's what I'm saying exactly. Would you add a guy like Tatum in that conversation? Um. Tatum, yeah, Tatum's definitely in the conversation for one of the All NBA teams. I could see it. Yeah. Do, do you have Jalen Brown on one of those All NBA teams? And is he a guard or is he a forward? Like, these are the type of things. It's going to be really, really tough this year. Um, you gotta. I feel like you gotta have Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker just definitely. because they're on winning teams and they're main contributors to those winning teams. But then. What about the other guys on their on their teams like Chris Paul? Like, is he gonna make That's an All NBA team? Like, woof! I don't I envy think, the 
I don't envy the voters at all. But yeah. yeah, go ahead. I think CP should definitely at least make that second spot. What do you think? He he has a case. I mean, he he's he's getting MVP love recently. Like he has a case. So I mean, like going like going through each team in the in the West because like I'm gonna look through the West because the West alone just has like like really solid guard depth. With you got Donovan Mitchell, you got Devin Booker, um, you got um Chris Paul, Luca. Um, Steph, um, Damian Lillard, Paul George, if you consider him a guard. I know he's played a lot of minutes at, at, at shooting guard, so that might be a case there. Like, that, just that alone, there's a lot to factor in there. Um, and then um, in the East, you got Kyrie and Harden. Do they make teams after all the time they've missed? Right. Um... Does Trey Young make a, 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 a um an appearance on any of those? Like exactly. Even do you even do you even add in like Bradley conversations as well? Considering like the run that they've been on towards the end of the I season. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're considering guys in the play-in on the West, you got to consider guys in the play-in on the East too, as well. I feel. Yeah, so it, it's it's tough. It's definitely tough. I mean, guys are lining up the floor, and I mean, you unfortunately guys have to like really pick and choose like who deserves to be and be to be in which spot as far as like these all NBA teams. To, to for for me, my qualif my qualifier is you gotta have played like a certain amount of games this year. Like for me, KD doesn't make a team no. this year. AD doesn't make a team this year. So that's two forward spots open up right there. And I feel like you got to include, you got to have, I feel like Kyrie, even though he's missed time, he's been the most available net surprisingly this year. Mm-hmm. So he, he's got to make one of the guard teams, I think. But what about Harden as well? Cause he, cause I mean, honestly, if you remember like when Harden first got to Brooklyn and, they didn't have KD or Kyrie, and he's just really carrying the load. Everybody was considering him like an MVP candidate. So with him yeah, missing, but like, like he's missed like, a lot of time recently too. Yeah, that's true. It's like, tough, man. It is. He's played thirty four games for Brooklyn this year, and going to Kyrie. Where's Kyrie? Oh, there he is. Um, going to Kyrie. Kyrie has played. Oh wow! I thought he, yeah, he played. He's, he's played, played like 40, 46. 46. So yeah, you got. I think you got to consider Kyrie over Harden on that team. So I think Kyrie gets a nod. Um, you gotta got. I'm going down the list of the East. You got to include Embiid on a team. Giannis, Julius Randle. You got Jason Tatum. Jimmy or Jimmy probably on on the Heat maybe makes a case for a team. You got Beal and Westbrook possibly. Going over to the West, you got, of course, like I said, Booker, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, Kawhi, Paul George, Jokic, maybe LeBron. I got to check how much games he played, but LeBron will so, probably get in there more, more likely. It feels blasphemous not to have LeBron on a team, but like it'll. It's also like you got to look at how many games he played. 
Exactly. He played for he played forty one, so I don't know. That's like that's like almost that's like more than half. Yeah, that's more than half, but like Yeah. I wanna say he's missed about twenty, twenty one games this year, so Yeah, and then you got Luca, you got Dame, and then you got um Steph and then possibly Zion. So right. it's a deep field. Um it's a deep, deep field. But also, also, I want to say, like, does does player? Do you have to have a player of the month award to possibly get in? Because De'Aaron, I mean, even though Sacramento Kings are sitting at number twelve, De'Aaron Fox did have that. So, would you see him getting like a third team, or probably not? Nah, his team loses too much. Defense is p- pathetic over pathetic, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like he's missed, like he's gonna miss like a good portion of this 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 end stretch here too so but if i if i were to make my teams it would probably be like um steph and um steph and um it's tough steph and if like devin booker finishes up there maybe steph and d book yeah i like that and then like Kawhi, Giannis, and like um between Jokic and Embiid. One of them's gonna be on the second team, which is gonna be really tough. Yeah. But one of them has to be on the second team. And then second team, I got like Kyrie. Probably like Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, and then I gotta have my boy Julius in there. And maybe Tatum. Yeah. And then um, fourth team, I mean, the third team, got a reward winning a Donovan Mitchell. Um, Luca, I guess, because he does put up the numbers. Um, Paul George. Hey, Can't deny what day. he's done this year. Yeah, what about a Jalen Brown? You think he could squeeze in or not? Probably not. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's, it's tough. tough. Or um, even even a guy like a um, maybe not, maybe not him, but maybe like a guy like Bam Adebayo probably fit in. I don't know. It's gonna be tough. I see Bam Adebayo on yeah. one of the defensive teams, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, ooh, I don't know. Voters, voters gonna have a tough time. Probably gonna maybe fit LeBron on this last team, and then the center. Did we add Zion on this list? No. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> People are gonna kill me for that, but but it is what it is. I mean, like I'm looking at teams with winning records right now, and just like yeah, yeah definitely that that last center spot is gonna be tough to fill. I don't know who fits it right now because like I don't. I'm not looking at all the centers at the top of my head right now, but like. It's tough. Yeah, like just trying to do this off the top of my head is like tough. So, yeah, I wouldn't know who to put as that last center, but that those last forward spots is gonna be tough because like you gotta consider like LeBron. I had Luca on my third team, which is probably gonna sound nuts to some people, but like I'm just seeing he's like fighting for sixth and seventh. I can't really put him above guys who are winning teams or guys who are putting up even better numbers. So like. 
Exactly. But I mean, but, but I mean, but like, like I said, I mean, like a lot, a lot of this factors into like a lot of popularity. So for instance, like if we end up seeing Luca somehow find his way on like the, the first team, I don't think a lot of people would be surprised. Like, will it be fair? Probably not. But yeah, I mean, but like I said, like a lot of guys, a lot of guys are going to want him in that just because, I mean, just because he's really honestly box office at this point, people really want to see him play. Yep. And same thing with Zion, too. Even though Zion's like, Zion's a second year guy on a losing team. So it's like, he shouldn't even right. be like even thought of on an all NBA team. But like, because he puts up the numbers and like the NBA is really trying to market him, mm-hmm. like you could see why they would try to push that. But yeah, I mean, I just tried to do that off the top of my head. I could just imagine how the guys, they're going to look at all the numbers and like see games played stats winning losing all that stuff and try to factor it in it's gonna be tough i i i would not wish this exercise on anyone else facts i definitely agree to that yeah so um as we wrap up here um any final thoughts you have um i'm I'm rooting for the knicks to get that second round i'm rooting for them to get there like honestly i i feel like they can and i feel like they have a great a great roster to rely on. They have a great coaching staff to rely on to help them get to that point. So I, I definitely, I definitely hope that comes true. Yeah, I'm hoping it comes true too because last time the Knicks were in the playoffs and got to the second round, I was in middle school and like I knew that team wasn't sustainable and like because it was like a bunch of older guys. So like we knew our window was like so close. With this team, it's very young. It's basically the beginning of this new era and. I could finally go to games, so I would love to be able to go to some games at MSG for playoffs. It, it, it's been far too long since the Garden has experienced the playoffs, so that's a fact. But yeah, um, let the people know where they can find you. Um, obviously, follow me on Twitter at Nick Andre ATR. You know, I'm a basketball writer, podcaster, basically covering all things from high school to the NBA. So yeah, make sure to just follow me there and just and just like just just anticipate what I got coming next. Alright, you heard the man, and make sure if you are listening, watching, wherever you are, make sure to hit that subscribe, follow, whatever button that is. Um, leave a rating or review, helps me a lot. Um and that's about it. <laughs>